Radio is sponsored by Funk Club. Talk to a Funk Club specialist today and give us your measurements, your clothing likes, your social security number, and your sexual preferences, and we'll send you a box of clothing with a smell you can't quite place. Funk Club. Find us on Twitter. Lose us on LinkedIn. Previously on Dale Radio. You ran a pizza potato? That's where you put a potato in the microwave, and then you put sauce on it, and then you put cheese on it. Yeah. You eat it with your hands. So you, you've had some low points, have you? <laughs> sure. Oh, let me lay a couple of these on you. Can you dig it? It's a hard rock life for us. I know what you did last supper. Instant lesbian, just add alcohol. Rock and roll. And that one has a picture of an old rocking chair next to a rolly office chair. Silent but deadly night. And that one has old Santa, (laughs) you know him, tooting out one as he drops off. A present, a little puff of smoke indicates that he's uh, uh, making wind. Anyhow, I'm not doing these any any great service by reading these things. These are some of the uh, uh, copy that you'd find on T-shirts designed by my guest today, Randy Lawson. And obviously, they work better as visual gags. <laughs> They're not radio bits. And my apologies to uh, Randy for reading this stuff uh, on the air. But I wanted you to get a sense, just a small, tiny little sense, of the kind of work that Randy does, and I because and I want to do that because I want to set the stage for this conversation, uh, because we certainly get into her origins as a visual artist and graphic designer first, and then we move into some of the other things that she does. And if I haven't said so before, so much of why I do this program is to bring out the unique voices that contribute to a more comedic world, to find the comedy that asserts itself in everything from making pies to making television. Now, with Randy today, not only has she found a way to connect to a gigantic, just a phenomenal audience on Twitter, a familiar outlet for comedians today, isn't it? (laughs) But she has this whole other platform and a world in which she works. And that's due to her efforts as just a whip-smart writer and a great designer for a company that produces novelty items, such as, um, you know, shirts and cups and naughty bets that you've definitely encountered in the mall or online or as a gift from a distant relative. And it's such a crucial segment of comedy, if you think about it, one that has the kind of audience that most comedians dream of. And if you look at the history of novelty items in America, look at what a novelty item is, and a thing that exists only for the purpose of conveying a joke. Right, and there's great examples, garbage pail kids and some of the whammo things, souvenirs, x-ray specs. I grew up in a family that had a real affection for these kind of things, right? Nonsense items, the can of nuts that you opened and a sprinkle of plastic snake popped out, a gun with a flag that unfurled with the word bang printed on it if you pulled the trigger. It was a way for the sight gags of early comedies and cartoons to invade our real world, and I always loved them. Now, the x-ray specs didn't work as well as I'd hoped they did, but darn if you don't look smart wearing them. And what a fun thing to do on a first date with a gal or a guy, whatever it is, to you offer them a piece of gum and you watch as they recoil in pain after their finger has been snapped by a mousetrap-like spring-loaded piece of metal. <laughs> what fun! 
<laughs> you don't even need to carry gum when you have one of those. So as these shirts and the items in the housewares that Randy works on, they're not cranked out by some goons in a dark dungeon, as I once thought, but instead are the result of skill and practice uh, joke writers that have a real sense of the visual impact of a word or a phrase. They are silly and ridiculous, yes, but they're part of our common comedy language. I like silly. Speaking of silly, just a note to let you know that we're going to be back at the pit with live shows the last Tuesday. Uh, it used to be Wednesday. Now it's the last Tuesday of the month at 8 p.m. with some great guests in New York City. And, uh, oh, this is exciting because on uh, January 29th, I'll be making my Caroline's comedy debut as I once again sit on the couch of the Running Late with Scott Rogowski program. I'll be holding my own with Judy Gold, Morgan Spurlock, and Trayvon Free. It's going to be a great time, and I'll share some new tips for making it through the rest of this year. Because there's a lot of it ahead of us, folks. Oh, my. Okay, that's enough intro. Let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Randy Lawson. goodness, it's me, Dale, and it's my life as it happens in a single story told week after week after week. And you're listening to another episode of Dale Radio, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Only today, folks, I'm once again steering clear of our little Gowani. It's really more of a summertime place as it is. And I've come south for the weekend, visiting with family and old friends and making new friends here along the shores of the Schuylkill River. Sometimes they find bodies in there, too, so (laughs) I feel right at home. Oh, folks, I'm pleased to be sitting today with one of my newest friends, a brilliant comedian, writer, and designer, Randy Lawson. Randy! Dale. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Hey, thanks for having me over. It's a a real thrill uh, to get to meet you and probably for you to meet me. Yes. Oh, it's a huge thrill. (laughs) (laughs) So things going well? It's early in the year. It's off to a good start? Mm Mm-hmm. 2015's off to a decent start. Yeah. That's wonderful. (laughs) Now, I thought, do you have cats? Well... Oh, no. Uh, 2015's actually been a complete... Shithole. Um, my beautiful uh, girl, Pretzel, my little hairless baby, passed away two weeks ago. I'm very sorry to hear that, and, and sorry to bring it up, but we yeah, should be well, emotionally honest with, no. <laughs> with each other. No, no I, it, my, I, I show, I put her pictures a lot on Twitter and Instagram, so people would, you yes, would assume I that I have. expecting to, to, yeah, see, to see this little she Untimely nugget. passed away. Oh, uh, my it's goodness. It's been really crappy year so far but well, we're gonna get past it and were, were you was it hairless is that mm-hmm. the yeah is that hairless. because you're allergic to the cat mm-hmm. i'm allergic to cats me so too hairless. Oh, See, really? that's why i was excited because i thought finally i'm coming to somebody's place where their cat is going to be jumping around well, she's in a box on the shelf up there if you, if you <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> terrible it's true maybe afterwards yeah um yeah i have cat allergies mild cat allergies yeah. um but i got along perfectly with her and the thing is they don't leave their hair around the house so yeah. you don't get you could i wipe her would wipe her with baby wipes 
and I'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. But I recommend hairless cats. They're lovely. Do you feel like you'll get another one? I do. Um, we need a little time. Sure. No, I don't want you to rush into anything. <laughs> Why are you pressuring me? Um, but oh, it's been years since I got a divorce. I haven't <laughs> replaced her. <laughs> yeah, she maybe. She enjoyed being wiped down with a baby wipe. She too. was very submissive. I don't think she enjoyed it, but she just went with it. We're talking about the cat. Yes. Yeah. No, the girl I keep in the basement. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think maybe six months or so we'll think about it. She was a... Uh, you know, everyone has, you know, has their pets and they're very special to them. She was, I, I call her my spirit animal, little soulmate. She and I had a very special connection. Like, I've never had with another. I've had pets before. I never had that kind of closeness with an animal. Yeah. So I think I just, no cat could ever replace her. I would love to get another cat just because it's fun to have cats and cats yes. are nice company, but I'm going to wait a little while. I'll let this kind of, you know. That'll be a new relationship. Exactly. A different relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But thanks for bringing that up. Great year <laughs> so very, far. I'm very happy <laughs> No, I you couldn't have known. There. <laughs> but you lit, you lit, you did you grow up down here in Philadelphia? No, I actually grew up in Baltimore. Well, right outside of Baltimore in Baltimore County. Um, actually, right near the people know the area now because of the podcast serial. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. right, right. You have around. something to do with that? No, but I actually. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what? Happened? I worked at the Owings Mills Mall the same time that Hey, I don't know if you were you a serial listener. Oh uh, yes, so this, yes, this of course. Is relevant, I'm sure a lot of your listeners is a crossover. Um, the Owings, I'm from Owings Mills, Maryland, which is right outside of Baltimore. Uh, Hay worked at the Lens Crafters yeah. at the Owings Mills Mall at the same time that I worked at the Art Emporium at the Owings Mills Mall. I didn't know her. I'm not going to claim to put myself <laughs> in the mix, but yeah, so that's but you could have been at the food court. At the mm-hmm. same but I'm the time. same age too. I, I graduated high school in '98, and they were '99. So you know, the parallels. Just oh yes, <laughs> don't stop mm-hmm. between this program. So and yes, cereal. that's that's uh, where I grew up and when. So, yeah. Yeah. Was it a decent uh, Art Emporium? What did you sell there? I top like to say stuff. I sold top quality uh, art supplies, but I mostly sold Beanie Babies. Uh, that art was supplies my, is what it was. It, was it an art, weren't yes. the paintings. Right. It was an art supply. Sold. Just a typical art supply store, but it was when Beanie Babies were really hot. Yeah. And Are they not hot now? <laughs> did you get the memo? <laughs> you got to leave um, the tags on, right? Yeah, leave the tags on. But I had a lot of fun trying to, you know talk up the Beanie Babies to the to the grandmas who would come in, you know. We had the Princess Diana Bear, and I'd oh. keep her in a special case. And when someone would come in, I'd be like, oh, we only have one. And then they'd, I'd sell her, and I'd bring out another one from the room, put her back in the case, you know. It was just a purple bear. Yep. But she was the Princess Diana Bear. If only it were that easy to yeah. replace. Yeah. We're talking a lot about loss today, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, how much was that bear worth? Today, what do you think you get for a Princess Diana bear? Oh, like, oh, hmm, either a million dollars or like two ninety nine. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't checked the the stocks lately on Beanie Babies. But. Oh wow, we'll have to check in. Yeah. With it. But you know what they should do is a serial series of Beanie Babies. Yeah. You could have Hay and, and Jay and Adnan and the whole crew. Oh yeah, that w- that was a way to bring Beanie Babies back. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, Ira Glass. If you're listening. <laughs> Uh, but and your your parents still live down there. They still live in Baltimore, so I get down there quite a bit. A lot of my friends still live there and yeah. move back there, you know, just to have kids and all that kind of stuff. I would have been able to pick it by the accent. Oh yeah, it's a very particular kind of uh, not quite Philadelphia, uh, Maryland. It, oh, it gets wow. a little bit deeper. Oh, thank you. Because Philadelphia is that uh, cross between Baltimore and New York. 
Oh, then yeah. you move up and you get Providence, which is the worst of all, <laughs> and that's uh, between New York and Boston. Anyhow, we could talk about regions for a long time. But your parents are coming up here, right? Yeah, they're visiting. As soon as uh, we're done here, they're going to come up and, and hang out for are a you bit. You're going to have some lunch or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. They like to go to the, the, the Jewish deli down the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there a good one here? Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, it's called the Famous Fourth Street. It's just down the street from here. I'm uh-huh. not going to give out my address no, to, don't. to the listeners. <laughs> um, but I live close to the famous Four Street Deli. The sandwiches are piled super high. Oh. And they give you fresh baked chocolate chip cookies at the end of your meal. And my dad loves the Four Street Deli. That's so that's great. where that's where they go. And, what what do they do? Um for what do my parents do for a living? Yeah. Oh sure. Um my dad runs uh, an eye care group, so uh, where you get your glasses and eye exams. Yes. But he is a, a very talented photographer. Who's done photojournalism and sports photography? Uh, he photo- he works for has worked for the NFL and the MLB, photographing the Ravens and the Orioles, and also horse racing is very big in Maryland. So he has a, a long-standing reputation uh, photographing the Preakness, and his work has been featured in magazines and books. He does really beautiful photography. Um, so he does eye care, you know, on the on the day. But I, I always I consider him more a photographer because that's you know my artistic inspiration. Um, Did you grow up around the dark room and all that kind of stuff, too? Uh, he never uh, developed his own film. He would mm-hmm. go to a lab to do that. But around, always, I was always the subject of photographs and always seeing the world through the, the, the compositional eye of a photographer yeah. and through an artistic lens. It can be very influential. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely a big influence on me artistically. And uh, your mother also artistic? Um, not particularly. Um, she's She's got a great eye for art, and she likes to do stuff like she likes to to knit and that kind of thing but she's um she actually works for the government um doing uh disability services so it's kind of her job's kind of a downer i always felt like it's a (laughs) lose-lose either people are too sick to work or they're trying to scam the government and get you know steal the funds from people who are too sick to work so she decides which of the two it is essentially (laughs) just sitting there and passing judgment on yes exactly passing (laughs) judgment on the mentally or physically ill of the state of maryland for you she judgmental of anything they're not going to listen to this, right? No, no. They're they've always been pretty supportive. Um, there's she's, a, there's she's, an age cut off on this program. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. They're great. Uh, I would say of the of the two, uh, my dad is is the more judge. My mom is the more. Um, we love everything you do. Just give us a hug. My dad's always been a little bit more of the. Um, I would say pushing me to to do better. Got a critical and, eye. Got a, a critical eye, a critical and eye. has yeah. always been a little bit more of the the that kind of. that role that my mom well and did you have somebody else that recognized your talent early on because you're also you're an artist a visual artist um and we'll get into the the way that kind of comedy intersects with that Mm -hmm. um because I've talked to other people from like Doogie Horner from down here. Oh, I, I'm a big fan of Doogie Horner. I, I consider him a, a friend. He's an incredible graphic designer and comedian. He's a he's a, a real uh, inspiration to me and another Philadelphia friend. A great so, all star yes. from down here. Um, and and like him, you find a way to get the comedy out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's there, and it kind of comes out through a different filter. Maybe right. um, were there some early people that uh, encouraged you as a young person to to um, either be as funny as you wanted to be or to, to go down that artistic path in addition to your father? Yeah, I mean, arts has always been something, um, it's always been my thing. I was never uh, much of an athlete at all. Um, <laughs> How about so a mathlete? Were you never a- much of a mathlete <laughs> or an athlete. <laughs> I've always been an artist um, as young as I can remember. Um, I think my parents kind of saw that in me early. And also, like I said, because my dad is so, such an 
artistic person had me enrolled in you know art lessons from a very young age and steered me in that way and I think also steered me particularly to do graphic design which is Mm -hmm. my profession because um, as artistic as they are they're they're sort of conservative in their um, actual lifestyle and it was very important to them that I not be a starving artist that I make a career and find a way to do this commercially so from the time I was like eight years old my dad had subscribed me to graphic design magazines and they kind of decided very (laughs) this is what you're gonna do but they were right (laughs) um so I've always I took classes at the Maryland Institute Mm -hmm. uh, which is in Baltimore it's a college of art they have a young people's program and um from an early age the teachers there I think saw something in me and were kind enough this is like humble brag or brag brag I don't mean to be like that but um I was in the Young People Studio, and when I was like in fifth or sixth grade, they put me into the high school classes because I think they felt that they saw that I had was pushing further, and I appreciate that they. I think that them pushing me to do more artistically was a, made a real impact on me. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and being surrounded by at the at the level of that age, the people in those classes to to take those classes in high school age kids were also pushing me to do better and to excel beyond what I had seen myself being able to do in like a 10 or 11. So I think that was a huge motivator. So thank you to all the teachers there. And then I took also private lessons with an amazing artist. And I don't know if you, if you don't know him, you should look him up. His name is David Zuccarini and he's a realism oil painter Mm -hmm. and artist. And he has just really pushed me to, uh, the way is that to draw what I see, not what I think I see, and to see the world um, through an artist's eye. And he was an incredible inspiration to me as an artist growing up in like middle school and high school. So mm-hmm. that's down in Baltimore. Yes, in Baltimore. Uh, and, and Philadelphia, though, has some great artists too that have come through here, of course. Uh, and a lot of them have been touched with a wee bit of darkness, I would say. You have your David Lynch, mm-hmm. who spent time here, and R. Crumb, mm-hmm. Betsy Ross, probably just stitching the darkness into the American flag as she did, seeing things for as they really Uh were, no doubt. Um, That's just, that's history. Did you feel any of that when she got here? Yes, and I would add to that list Isaiah Zagar. Okay. um, That he does the mural, um, what's it called? Oh, what's the word? I'm sorry, I'm having a, please, uh, what is the word? Mosaic. Mosaic, oh my gosh, yes. So they're, if you've been to um, the Magic Garden, as I, as I drove in, yes, um, I would recommend that to anyone visiting Philadelphia. And there's a movie about Isaiah Zagar called In a Dream. He's yeah. an amazing mosaic artist whose work can be seen all over Philly. And he had a very dark and interesting past, which inspired his art. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have a Zagar on my house. Ah. Um, well, we're very close to the Magic Gardens. Again, don't stalk me. I'm in between <laughs> the Magic Gardens and the Fourth Street Deli. Um, but he did just he has such a volume of work it was just kind of exploding out of him and he mosaic the the streets all around his magic gardens and i and they're, they're right quite there. they're quite special because they're uh, a lot of metallic and reflective mm-hmm. uh things there's a building on south street for instance that has a huge no it's like a, that that's one of his i yes. assume mm-hmm. uh just it's almost like a disco ball yes. as you drive down so to it's it. different every time of day and the magic garden mm-hmm. is a number of structures that have been covered Yes. Uh, with this and it's a- quite incredible if you visit philly please go to the magic gardens by isaiah zagar it's definitely get high before you go or not you don't need to <laughs> but if, if that's what you're into it is really kind of a mind-blowing experience it's so beautiful and incredible to see what this guy did with mosaics you kind of wind through this whole underworld that he's created of 
tunnels of mosaics. It's a really special thing. And living right near there, it inspires me all the time. And having one in my house is definitely something that inspires me that's, to keep up my artistic a, grind. <laughs> it's a fantastic thing. And, of course, a lot of people around here, uh, 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 young people, and maybe uh, of all ages probably, but Andrew Wyeth, of course, is a big influence, yes. the painter. Uh, um, and I think a lot of those talking about spooky business, and some of those look a little haunted too, I would think. Oh, yeah. Andrew, <laughs> Especially what, his, that yes. pig. Oh, yeah, the pig. And I believe it's Andrew not. Jamie, I could be getting wrong, they did The Giant, which is this amazing, one of my favorite works of art that's like children sitting on a beach, but then there's this kind of cloud monster giant walking in front of them, oh, and it's yeah. like, it's very beautiful because it's huge, large scale, but it's almost like, is it in their imaginations, or is it is it is it fanciful and youthful, or is it scary as fuck? <laughs> like, you know, like it... it, it but yeah, I'm a big and fan. so many people around here have the paintings in their home, mm -hmm. so it's a very unusual experience uh, of being able to look at the home and say, "My goodness, that's a beautiful stone house mm -hmm. in the cloudy skies and the mm -hmm. mud." And then you go inside the house, and there's a painting of a house that looks just yeah. like it. Yeah, it's a very weird sort of loop that people yeah. are involved in here, <laughs> <laughs> documenting the inside yeah. on the outside. And uh, you ever go down the Brandywine? Yes, I have. It's that's a fa the Brandywine River Museum is another one. It's, it's a, a great gem. Fabulous museum if you're in this area and a lot of. Uh, We're giving wives. a lot of tourist tips for that. Yeah, <laughs> the artsy fartsy underworld of Philadelphia. We should do the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, you, what do you do? Tubing, canoeing? No. <laughs> Did you, you didn't sail down it then. No, I just went to the You've museum okay. and walked around. You know, well, this like, summer I encourage you to get a tube. <laughs> get, get out there. Do you have a favorite thing in the Philadelphia Art Museum? No, it's that's a you know that's a great museum. That's the one where for those who uh, aren't familiar with it, it's the Rocky Stairs. Yeah, yeah. But also that creepy Duchamp thing in the back. Yeah. So I had a security <laughs> guard interact with me in a very strange way. Really? What did you try to that. do with the? Oh, it was just one of those "Hey kid, come here" kind of things. Oh, really? And uh, there's a Duchamp piece that's an installation that's permanent there, which is an old door, and you look through a peephole and you see a young woman who's splayed out there, mm -hmm. or parts of a woman. You don't see her hold, holding a lantern, and it's a very uh, curious scene. Yes. And we don't know uh, what's going on there, but it's not suitable necessarily. Um, I, I mean, it's up to you. Do you do what you want to do with your children? <laughs> but uh, I didn't. I mean, it was a. Memorable experience. How old were you when that when you saw that? Oh, elementary school. Or oh something goodness! Like that. Yeah, that's provocative. I don't think that guard is still there. <laughs> but now uh, we've we've talked all of the uh, sort of the background here. But of course, you're probably most well known for your work on Twitter, uh, improbably enough, maybe. But yeah. uh, and you said you just joined that two years ago. Yeah, it was actually. It's it's kind of like oh, I want to go down as like well known for my work on Twitter, but I am no, I am proud. I love you Twitter. Let me say this: you mm -hmm. build an audience for yes. yourself through that, through your jokes and your writing, right. and you've been uh, you've landed a number of uh, top Twitter tweet tweeters, twitters, twitterers mm -hmm. uh, in the country. A lot of those lists. I have. Um, I mean, the hardware around this place with all the trophies and things is oh, did pretty you see impressive. My, did you see my trophy? <laughs> do you have it over there? I do. I didn't. Um, I was, uh, have to, it's on I the mean, mantle. It's literally, it's so literally on the mantle. Uh, if you want to turn your head around there. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's a thing. That's, that is a real That is a thing. You have to thing. reinforce the mantle to put mm -hmm. that up there. Yep. Um, well, I so it was... I really I signed up for Twitter like most people to follow celebrities. I've always been <laughs> I've always been a huge comedy fan and comedy nerd. 
And it was actually, I believe it was to follow Doug Benson, who's one of my favorite comedians, that oh, I originally great, joined yeah. Twitter because um, he started, I listened to his podcast, um, Doug Loves Movies, and would see his stand-up and everything, and he would talk about how like Twitter, as opposed to Facebook, was a great place for comedians. So I joined Twitter and just started following some of my favorite comedians and also random celebrities. And uh, so my whole first couple years on Twitter, I think I joined in 09, but spent literally like four years just at replying celebrities once in a while and just (laughs) reading and faving comedians I didn't see it as something that a regular person did Mm -hmm. um I didn't get that part of it I didn't get that they were just funny people writing jokes I I didn't see that world um and then it it became more apparent it slowly evolved to me understanding that that was something that average people who weren't comedians by profession could do probably is more uh, uh that strata discovered that they could put stuff out there too. Right. So it was, um, I guess, New Year's of 2013 where I kind of made a little resolution that I was like, I'm going to give this a try. I think this is some, this is something I could be good at. I, I like, I like writing jokes and I love Twitter. So I'm going to give this a go. Yeah. And that's where it began. And what a go. Yeah. <laughs> I really love it. I mean, people, I was saying, oh, I don't want to be known as Twitter. But that was a joke because, honestly, I know people put Twitter down, but I love it. It's been nothing but wonderful to me. Like, it's a great outlet for joke writing. I've made amazing friends in real life and just internet friends. And I've gotten really positive feedback. I know people say they have haters. I've managed to, for the most part, just get a lot of love. It's, it's I'm you know, I love it. That's it's it's great when it works. It's yeah. it's fantastic, and uh, it, you've been out there in L.A. recently, right? Mm-hmm. And meeting some of these folks, celebrities like David Spade, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I imagine other. I'm way too old for David the, Spade. The Don't worry, there was no <laughs> <laughs> there was no interest there. Oh yeah, the Sklar brothers were really good. yeah. So I, I I went to L.A. actually. So the last year I went to LA for the Twitter awards. Yes. That's what I was saying on my mantle. And uh <laughs> geez, please don't I don't want your audience I don't wanna sound like I'm like oh, I took art classes at a young age and I won a Twitter award. But I'm just being I'm just <laughs> giving That's you the That's just what's happened. Listen. Um, I won a Twitter award uh for best essentially like best new artist, but it was, you know, best account under 10,000 followers is, was how they categorized Pretty it. Pretty good. Um, and that was an amazing experience because there were lots of professional comedians there and also great tweeters. And, I mean, it was a blast to go out to L.A. And at first I was like, oh, man, I can't just go out there. And then I was like, well, what if I win and I don't go? And <laughs> yeah, you I'm so go. glad. I, I actually, like, it was only, like, I just took, like, one day off of work and did, like, a pretty much a two-day fly in fly out kind of stayed like one night i think that's but, the way to do that yeah it I was that's awesome perfect. um everyone was super encouraging the sklar brothers hosted the awards i see yeah and uh yeah it was like some of even they had like i mean the iron chic like all the like it was just all the greats. And, um, <laughs> yeah just all the ron jeremy was there he won best porn tweeter oh, good. um well, good for him yeah right? but some just like the Kind of Twitter legends like Jenny Johnson and like all like yep. Danny Zucker and and those kind of people who if you're a Twitter person I'm sure you know them were there and you know Jason Biggs and Jenny Mullen and a lot of like just people celebrities who are into Twitter or comedy writers who are into Twitter and uh, even some sports legends who are Meta World Peace was there um, he has a real name <laughs> which he's a basketball player what's his real name Meta World Peace someone out there is yelling at 
listening to this and being like, how do you not know that? Um, they'll, they'll, send it, they'll send me a note. Yeah. Um, so, but everyone was really cool and friendly and supportive and it was great. So, yeah. And I no, won. Uh, so. th- that's the, hey, that's, <laughs> that's the yeah. best. Anytime mm-hmm. you win something. Yeah. And if you can get out to LA and you've been doing some stand-up out there. Or you did some. I did. And you've done some um, in New York City as well. Yeah. So, I, I uh, went out to LA just, actually just for a vacation and to get to hang out. This was in October. Um, went out there to just hang out with some of my Twitter friends and real life friends. Not the Twitter friends aren't real life friends, but college and high school friends and stuff that live out there. And um, my friend, you think there could ever be crossover? Yes, there can be crossover. <laughs> I have made some real life friends from Twitter. Um, but my friend Bill Dixon, who is an awesome stand up comedian, who a friend I made through Twitter. If you don't know him, follow him on Twitter. He's very funny and he's very funny stand up. Uh, put me on a show. Uh, while I was out there, so I got to do some stand-up, which was very cool. And you're saying you weren't necessarily naturally a performer. That wasn't a drive that you have. Right. Um, I've never been, yeah, I've never been very theatrical, and I've, I've never been like the, and I'm, I'm, I'm blah, blah, blahing on here, but I'm pretty quiet. If we were in a social situation, you would not peg me as the comedian. I'm not like the person who wants the the spotlight necessarily in that and me so neither <laughs> yeah oh dale <laughs> we just a humble you. man with a microphone <laughs> so i've always loved i've always loved jokes i've always loved comedy um and i've never been the thing is i've never been afraid of performing it's it's been here neither here nor there like i don't have stage fright but i also don't get that juice from being in front of an audience right. either it's just kind of like something i could do and um and you have a successful outlet or a number of them. Right. So it's not like you're all pent up waiting to right. get this stuff That's out That's the of thing. Here. And then so I did some comedy in college. Um, I did some comedy, which uh, I had this amazing opportunity to be in college. This is going to date myself. Uh, before YouTube came out. Yeah. When the internet was just becoming a thing. And those I went were great to days. A, those were, and I feel like it was a very special time that I'm very thankful to have been in college at that time and met the people I did because we had a closed circuit TV station mm-hmm. at our college at American University called ATV, American University TV. Got it. And we did comedy shows. So if you were on any room in the campus and plugged the TV in and turned on Channel 2, you could see student made programming. So, to, but because no one had, no one, only you know, ran handful of people had video cameras. Most people didn't have access to editing equipment. Um, there was no internet. There was no YouTube. So to the the kids who did the TV shows, it was a very niche and special thing to do, and you right. had to really put a lot of effort and time and do like tape to tape editing and all that kind of stuff to do yes, it. I remember. So I fortunately fell in with the those artsy kids. And we had um, two different shows. We had a kind of our version of The Daily Show, like a comedy news show. Mm -hmm. And we also had a sketch show that I was on called Simple Pleasures, which um, my friend Adam Forstad, who is a friend I visited when I was in L.A., who has an awesome uh, production company now called Better Than Famous. little plug for him out there. If you need production stuff for TV and commercials and stuff, Better Than Famous, check them out. But he... uh, had this sketch show called Simple Pleasures, and we became friends, and I loved comedy writing. So I started out kind of writing for the show, and then I became the go-to performer for that show (laughs) and for our version of The Daily Show, and not because I was that good at performing, but I didn't care what people thought. And this sounds crazy, but now everyone takes selfies and everyone's everywhere, but girls in college at that time, the idea of being on TV or being judged 
it was really hard to find i'm not trying to be anti-feminist or or pigeonhole girls but it was very hard to find a girl who would be the butt of a joke who was willing to embarrass herself or be silly and i just didn't really care and i loved the comedy so much it meant more to me than embarrassing myself so i became just the girl who was on those shows um and that was awesome that's because a, it was a, a great skill to have to not care about it. Yeah, I just booked a, a voiceover thing, oh. be, because I they, I got the email and they said, "Hey, would you read this?" And I said, "Well, I don't have time to do this, but I have the microphone. Oh, I'll just do it." Yeah, and I did it and sent it in, feeling like you know this is not my first go round on this. They've never worked out. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to lose? Nothing. I have a successful podcast. Anyhow, so uh, but then I booked it. But it's that That's you great. have to get to the point where you don't care awesome. about it, right. and you don't uh, you don't ha- have so much tied into it that it's make or break. Right. And now you say, uh, uh, "Girls being the butt of the jokes." Look at all the great shows that are on yes. Comedy Central or any place. And right that's now. Ama- there was. I mean, not to, there were definitely some strong female comedians. Obviously, when I was growing up, I mean, like I'm going to say, like Joan Rivers, and I mean, I um, could name a lot of female comedians who were inspirations to me. But at that time, it wasn't as yeah. As commonplace. And now there's, yeah, like there's so many incredible female stand-ups. I mean, like when I go to an open mic or do stand-up, I'm not the only girl there for sure. And no. like I think the time I was in college, it was it was pretty rare. I mean, I saw Kathleen Madigan when I was in college do stand-up and I had never seen like a woman like live do stand-up before that. And I was blown away by her. You know, I'd seen like on TV and stuff. Yeah. But to go to a comedy club, it just wasn't that many women at the time like there are now so so that's huge and uh but yeah so the 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 comedy thing in college was a was a great outlet for me for joke writing and for learning to just kind of get a little performance you know skills down but it was also another thing which I compare this to Twitter which is if you can get this it's the best thing in the world what I kind of call like local celebrity, <laughs> which is that sounds like, or what I call like negligible celebrity, right, which right. means you are not famous in a way that affects your life in any negative way, but you have this tiny little niche of fame where you have people who are genuine fans. Yeah. And that is something that I experienced in college, which was like on my campus, people loved our shows and knew who I was in a positive way and not like, oh, go up to me and I'm a celebrity, but just like if I sat in class first day, so I'd be like, oh man, that was funny what you did last night. That was great. And that was an amazing feeling. And now it's similar to Twitter because it's like, it's not, it's not famous. Like I'm not looking for fame, but there are people who genuinely enjoy taking in the content that I work so hard to put out. Right. And that's just a fabulous amount of feedback that keeps me going with joke writing. Without needing to have guards and uh, exactly. dodging the paparazzi. Right. Or, um, Worrying about what you're wearing when you go to buy a gigantic sandwich in the deli. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but now one of the things that I really find fascinating about uh, your career, and certainly all these things have mm-hmm. been uh, I- intriguing to me, and I'm not saying you're at the end of your career. I feel like you're really, there's a lot of career left anyhow. But, and many of people, uh, many people have laughed at your jokes without even knowing that it was you. Yes. I mean, you talk about negligible celebrity. This mm-hmm. is <laughs> removing yourself from it. But as a designer and a writer, uh, because I imagine these things really are written um, mm-hmm. first, you have had products produced and sold by the company that you work for. Yes. The, the ICUP. Yes. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> we get that. And, uh, and, and also, at that bastion of awkward teenage times at the mall, mm-hmm. Spencer Gifts. Yes. 
uh, uh, how'd you get involved doing that kind of a thing? And what was the what was the application like? Okay, first I'll give a little plug to the company I work for, my day job. It's ICUP, or sometimes we go by ICUP, yeah. depending on the customer that we're talking to, because we are also, we are in Spencer's, but we're also in, you know, big box stores and places where the the dirty end of our company is not as welcome. The and dirty if end you wanted to, of your you know, company we sell is mostly, welcome yes. here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Dale. Um, we sell mostly into big box stores, but we just started a direct-to-consumer website. So you could go to Housewared, that's H-O-U-S-E-W-A-R-E-D, Wared, yep. Housewared.com. And that's because we don't, don't usually sell. We're not like a website that's – we don't thrive on selling you know, one item to one customer. We sell into stores, but you can buy some of our products at Housewared.com now. Uh, and the products are – uh, uh, various housewares, but right. uh, uh, glasses, but with a sense aprons, of that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, all, I, mean, I, I imagine it started with cups. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know, going out on a limb. Okay. Um, and like novelty items. Yes, novelty items. So Is that I a bad have, word to say, novelty? No, I'm oh. proud that I make novelty items. Um, I, first of all, have always loved pop culture and always loved junk, like stuff. Like, if I mean, <laughs> you are in my house and there's just... I love consumerism, <laughs> capitalism. I love buying crap and souvenirs and all that kind of I see I know that I see a lot of value in that. I see there's something precious about um the commercial application of art and joke writing that I find beautiful and is an art in itself. So And hugely influential. I mean, you talk yes. about Twitter being out there, but like these these things are people people encounter them all right. the time. So I've been there for ten years, which is kind of crazy to me when I look back. Um with so that I, company in with particular. With that company in particular. You start out as a as a I designer? started my graphic des- I majored in graphic design at American University. So there I was doing comedy on the T V station. I was doing graphic design. Yeah. Graphic design by day, comedy by night, which is kind of I've kept with that theme. Yeah. Uh, my first job was in D.C. designing um, souvenirs for zoos and aquariums and museums. A lot of children's illustrations, mm-hmm. like the cute T-shirts and puzzles and keychains and all the stuff. When you go to the zoo, you buy that, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's like what I was working penguin on. Or something. Yes, exactly. Yep. Doing um, really fun. I loved working there. It was a very cool place to work, and uh, I love doing that kind of that kind of cute, fun illustrations. With a sense of humor, definitely not the sense of humor the company I work at now. <laughs> no. um, but I decided to move to Philadelphia. I just found this job online. They're based and, here. Uh, they're actually based in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yes, they which, are, which is also where Spencer Gifts started. Oh, I, I didn't even know that they were. They started out of Cherry. Well, Hill. their first store was at the Cherry Hill Mall. You know, I didn't. You learn something new every day. I didn't even know that, Dale. <laughs> well, you're oh, welcome. Thank you yeah. for telling me that. I yes, do research for these things. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> Um, yeah, I work right near the Cherry Hill Mall. I'm really giving uh, people a really great opportunity it's like to cereal. find me. <laughs> Somebody's going to post the whole thing yeah. of recreating your mm-hmm. day. So, um, so we're at a Cherry Hill. But yeah, so I worked there 10 years. And we started, um, my boss who started the company started with a novelty idea that he had, which was a uh, mini basketball net that hangs above across from your toilet yeah. so you could play basketball while you sit on the john and that's how he he got that first item into spencer gifts many years ago good for and him good for him i and, hope he won an award for that oh um, he's won many awards he and what started as just you know uh, a basketball net for your bathroom has evolved into a real powerhouse in the novelty and drinkware industry and i'm proud to have taken that ride with him i have to say when we started 
this company. I when I started it. at the I company, I was it was just a handful of people in this little warehouse in Trenton, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And now the world, uh, Trenton makes the world takes. Yes, Trenton makes the world takes. And yep. now uh, we've moved offices a few times. We're now in a, a big facility in Cherry Hill with a vast number of employees. And we went from just having some items in Spencer's and some mom and pop stores to being in every you know you can't walk into a target a kohl's a bed bath and beyond or spencer's uh or an urban outfitters without seeing our work so i'm really proud to have worked at this company 10 years and be able to grow with it and design uh fun lots of funny stuff Um, lots of things that you'd buy for in-laws probably exactly or relatives that you uh, don't know very well but it's great because like i love designing the souvenirs but i always love joke writing so when i found this job i was like oh like you know, it takes the element of graphic design, but also joke writing because especially I would design like funny t-shirts, drinking games, shot glasses. And I love designing stuff that was very bro. The kind of stuff that I would see dudes walking down the street wearing t-shirts I designed. And if they knew I designed them, they would probably (laughs) tear them off because, you know, like I would try to put myself in the mindset of, you know, the, the kind of guy I would never go out with who would wear a t-shirt that I would design, <laughs> well, you know? that's what it seems like. Yes. When you would, and especially, I'm going back some years, but if you'd go into one of the uh, Spencer Gifts or one of those places, uh, you'd see the stuff, and it was, uh, yeah, you imagine that it was probably a place that didn't smell very well mm-hmm. in terms of the, w- the place originating right. uh, some of the ideas. It probably smelled like Cheetos and uh, <laughs> body. Right. And um, a rich human smell. <laughs> a couple of, of bigger fellas. In black T-shirts mm-hmm. for listening to uh, heavy metal music, right, and things that have fonts that scare me to this day <laughs> and put me off. Let's and talk just, about fonts, Dale. We could go on. Oh forever. my goodness, oh, goodness, we could. You know, I was thinking. You listen to some of that music now, mm-hmm. and it's it's in, it's tame. Mm-hmm. It's not unpalatable. It's fine. Right. It's a little bluesy. It's just <laughs> like white guy music. But they put these angry fonts burning <laughs> out of metal poured from a cauldron. Oh my goodness. Fonts I couldn't can, listen can to really it. do so much to define what you're looking at for sure. And you must use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Some fonts are funnier. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Some, uh, better to get the joke uh-huh. across. It's well, I want to I want to come back because I think that you know artistically mm-hmm. Long-time listeners know I've dabbled here and there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, when my ex-wife and I had just settled into the Bay Area, I tried my hand at being a commercial artist because I said, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> and uh, I've not shared this on the air before, but I submitted some work samples uh, to a couple of places out there. One was the company that makes those squeezy, uh, stress-relieving Okay. Toys, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of situation you'd be in that <laughs> that would be the thing that took the stress. Here, there's probably a Liberty Bell somewhere in a bin uh, of this kind of stuff, or Ben Franklin's head that you can squeeze <laughs> uh, if you just if you need a, a stocking stuffer or a, a, you're in a bad office. Anyhow, uh, I also I had to design this perfect owl that could be extracted from a mold without any parting lines and all oh, that. Oh, interesting, yeah. It, it wasn't that interesting, but thank you for <laughs> saying so. And that somehow I didn't get the job. I couldn't design it now that they wanted to, to make. Uh, and then the other thing was a company that made the animatronic beasts for some of the movies. Oh, wow. So Free Willy and Anaconda, which is a terrific film. Have you seen that, Anaconda? I haven't. I think I haven't. Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo, I, Betty I, White in that one? That's Lake Placid. Oh, excuse, excuse me. I don't me. know if they made that or not, uh, but uh, I got to go see the real Anaconda oh, cool. sitting there, just as terrifying, in robot form. Wow. I mean, you imagine robot snakes of a giant size coming at you. 
Yeah. And I was oh, happy I, I didn't that. I was happy I didn't work there. But uh, you thrived in that kind of commercial application. And it's I think it's so wonderful. And it's such as I said, just a huge segment of, of artists making it is being able to land a job like that. And if you get it, you don't want to leave for right. ten years. I think part of that, I think there's a, a lot of people are cynical. It's funny because we joke and like people are cynical about Twitter or cynical about the kind of junk you buy at Spencer's. And of course that stuff has its, you know, you can joke about it, but I genuinely love that stuff. I like, I love Twitter and I love Spencer's and I would go and look at that stuff and get a kick out of it before I even worked there. So I think part of what makes me successful there is a true passion for what I do. And it, I don't see it. I don't think I'm above it. Like, you know, I'm not like designing, you know, funny junk for people to give to someone at a bachelorette party being like someday my art will be in a museum I'm like fuck yeah someone's gonna have a great night and laugh at the stuff I'm writing and enjoy these funny illustrations and that gives me so much of a thrill that it's I continue to have a passion for I consider myself very lucky no it's what what a platform that's what I keep coming back to is that Twitter is one thing but Mm -hmm. there's you're reaching a whole segment of the population, which is enormous. Yeah. And that is crucial early exposure to even just a joke. Yeah. Even if it's a little naughty or whatever it right. is, and some of them are. But, uh, you know, so many, you know, young people especially, I imagine, go into there and you mm-hmm. look through all the, the, I mean, the jokes I could never think of. <laughs> I mean, they're fantastic. And it's a real crucial early exposure, I think, to having some fun with it or getting a little bit of laugh while you're being dragged through the mall or you're yeah. on a date or something and you get a little, oh, look yeah. at these <laughs> naughty cards that are here. Yeah. That's what they, I mean, that's what they have there. It's incredible sense of satisfaction. I mean, the same satisfaction you probably get, like when you do a live show and you get those those laughs. Oh, my goodness, from like, the hundreds of people that yes, show up. No, it's fantastic. But it's the same... The, the same satisfaction I get from a joke vote going viral is the same thing. Like if I go into a Spencer's and I see some teens, you know, like looking at something I designed and having a laugh. And if I see someone at the register purchasing something, making the choice to spend their hard-earned money on something that I designed because it touched their funny bone, yep. that is like a sense of satisfaction that is, is – I don't even know where to describe it. But it's – I appreciate it every day and um, – I love it. it so. And it connects to something which I think we touched on earlier, and maybe I'm drawing too a, a broad of a stroke here, but the the fact that you were uh, encouraged early on to have a very practical application to your mm-hmm. uh, artistic ability. Right. And that comes from, I think there's something maybe around here or maybe generationally or maybe just specific to our families, but that there is a working class uh a bit of business about it yes. that you 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 keep it rooted in that in that you don't have to be highfalutin for any of it to work uh, that it's it's really about um as you just said people spending their hard-earned money to see mm-hmm. you to, to spend their time right even to look at exactly. it or search it out um it's really rewarding um it and it's uh, maybe even more so because of where we're, we're coming from um in our families or our home lives that, that that there's a value placed on hard work really oh definitely i think that's a very in- insightful uh thank you point for, me, for sure <laughs> i'll get there and sometimes would, it takes a lot of words and i would say this uh my whole thing with how this led to twitter so i've been doing this kind of comedy graphic design for almost almost a decade um and then having been with the company a long time and having a great relationship with my boss and coworkers and having my designs uh, do very well for the company financially I've moved up in the company and am the the art director of of one of our art departments so as great as that is 
I do a lot less creative work in the yeah. last couple of years. I do a lot of managing and emailing and managing a lot of the relationships between us and customers and us and the brands we design for. So we do a lot of licensed product. Um, anything from trying to think from Star Wars to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, superheroes. If you go into a store and buy a cup with any of that stuff on it, it's most likely something that we did. And we try to add a lot of person. You know, you can always there's always room for like a Batman logo on a black mug. But we try to add a lot always. of personality to our branded uh, designs. So I run that department, and I'm also manage the relationships between us and the licenses. Meaning on Warner Brothers end, there's another art director, and right. we have to communicate as to what's happening with their brand, what movies do they have coming up, what kind of things are they promoting, and make sure everything we design is on brand for them. So as I evolved into that role, which is great, I do a lot less hands-on design sure, and a lot less joke writing in the past. I've been doing that in the past like four years, let's say. So I kind of lost a little of my mojo for joke writing once I moved up in the company. And that's one of the reasons I started doing Twitter. Mm-hmm. Because I felt that I always feel like for years, I had my creative juices so satiated. And then after doing you know, a year, year and a half, or however long it was, uh, once I became the art director of that department and being able to do less of the joke writing, I was like, wow, I'm missing that joke writing. Where can I do it? I'll try this Twitter thing because mm-hmm. I can kind of take these jokes in my head. And a lot of jokes that wouldn't make sense on a T-shirt or wouldn't make sense on a cup they, they wouldn't, it doesn't translate, but I think it could translate to one-liner jokes on Twitter. And that's kind of why I started doing Twitter. And it really, yeah. So it, it, it kind of melded those worlds. It, it's going to find a way, isn't it? That yeah. creativity and that. And um, do you ever think about putting the tweets on T-shirts? You know, it's funny. I've been very careful to not <laughs> to keep those, to not cross those lines because right. I would never want to do anything that would, take away from our comp like I my as much as I love Twitter you know we're sitting in a house with a mortgage and my my business my, my co- the company I work for my job has to come first sure of so, course but of course, you know yeah. you put a couple I really of jokes on a lot of shirt. my jokes get a screen printing thing down there in yeah, the yeah no but I would never take my jokes if any of my jokes made sense on t-shirts I would essentially give them the, to the, the, the company. I would never do that. Um, I have too much loyalty to ever do that kind of stuff under the table. Sure. But a lot of my jokes as really don't... And I'm not encouraging yeah. that. I just <laughs> yeah, right. sometimes... What are you trying to do to me here? Um, <laughs> but a lot of them would kind of make sense on, on T-shirts. And they do kind of... The, this, this, some of the sense of humor does translate between the two. But I just make sure I always keep it on the up and up, you know, as, as far I as my job goes. should hope so. Yeah. And now what's the... Uh, what, what is an example of one of the shirts that you felt really worked just to give uh, okay. listeners um, an idea with unless they have I always know shirts. something works it's funny the, the two worlds collide so much because I always know what works in joke writing for design the same way I know it works on Twitter people steal it <laughs> like if there's a million if I design a t-shirt and then the next year I see a million crappy copies of it I'm like oh that was a good one because uh-huh. everyone's imitating it so I had one t-shirt actually this is I'll give you a career high for me as a designer is I did a t-shirt it sounds so silly when I say it, but it was like a, a 70s looking weatherman with a forecast. And it said, uh, weekend forecast, mostly drunk with a chance of horny. Yeah, good. That was my, <laughs> and I feel it. like that's one that like people are like, oh, that's an old joke. But I feel like I swear I came up with that. It's just been that was almost a decade ago when I wrote that joke and made that T-shirt. And it's been copied by a million T-shirt companies in a million ways. But in 
the highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time, The Hangover. Yes. Zach Galifianakis' character wore that t-shirt in the movie. Pretty good. So that was like huge to me as a comedy fan and a movie. I'm like a huge comedy movie obsessive also to have my design work worn by one of my favorite comedians in a huge movie like that. To know that audiences were having a laugh at my shirt you know, like there's one scene where the, he's pumping gas and you can actually see the shirt. Yeah. And I saw the movie and there were a few chuckles. And I'm like, there's did that. That was I mean, I can't even begin to say how rewarding that felt to, to meld those worlds like that. And to I mean, that was like a trophy, a mental trophy that did no Twitter award could have given me no offense to the Twitter <laughs> awards. So, yeah, that probably is one of my favorite T-shirts just because of how. Sure. It, yeah. Then that's the where platform is right. enormous through that mm-hmm. kind of by making a product and putting it out in the world. Right. And you see anything back from that financially? I mean, <laughs> you don't need to. Well, no, I don't I don't work on commission, but I've But I mean some kind yes. of licensing deal with the shirt that they had they just bought the shirt. No, they did. Fine. It's funny because, you know, they had us they contacted my boss told me he got we get uh, my designs and our company's products are are very often featured in television and movies because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times set dressers and people who buy props and stuff look for if they're looking for goofy stuff, they go to Spencer's we're Urban Outfitters to find it, and that's where a lot of our products, our, our funnier products, end up. So it, it's quite commonplace, actually. But that one was like another level. But he told me there's a movie being made about a bachelor party. Yeah. And they want a handful of T-shirts that they, I guess, a few that they had, and they had him. They asked him to sign a waiver that they could use any of these T-shirts. Um, they were all T-shirts that, from our company, and we said he said I signed it. I don't really know what it is, but you know we're always. Anyone wants to use our stuff in their, uh, whatever they're making, we're always for it. And then, like, a year later, whatever, when The Hangover started coming out, my boss and I were both like, I wonder if that's the movie that we signed away our T-shirts for. I don't know. (laughs) And so I went to see it. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if this is that movie? Because it's already pretty popular by the time I went to see it. It was already, like, the number one movie for a couple weeks when I went to see it. I'm like, wouldn't it be so awesome if one of our company's t-shirts not only when I designed when my coworkers or anyone had sure. designed was somewhere in this movie and then in one of the first scenes when Zach was wearing a t-shirt I designed I like literally started crying I was like oh my <laughs> like they couldn't it blew my mind so anyway I don't know what we were talking about I just got into my no, I, <laughs> got into I, my I, own head about you, it did you ever meet Zach and, and tell him that no I haven't someday but someday I hope to. I bet it'll happen yeah. do they you know I was just thinking too uh is there a, a Hall of Fame of some of the great items that have come out of? I mean, you talk about that uh, basketball net from the toilet, which has got to be up there. Right. What about like the ponytail hat? Oh, there should be. Um, I don't know. We should. Was make that one. your company? That no, came that's up with that's that? not us. Boy, but he's got to be sitting pretty. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Bald, but still. Yeah, <laughs> sitting pretty somewhere. Well. Uh, and, you know, in addition to comedy, it's also probably an early exposure to uh, some sexual feelings for some of these young people. Oh, I don't I know if so. you have any of that stuff, too. But they have, like, the beefcake cards. There's a whole center oh, island yeah. of Spencer's that I think has been very influential for it some has. young people. It has. I think it's a great introduction. I think introduce, a kid's introduction to sex being a kind of a novelty, funny thing is a, is perfectly great as far as I'm concerned. Kinda I mean, good. I know you're supposed to be 18 to go in those sections, but if you can be able to look at human sexuality with a laugh and sense of humor, I think you're set for life. Not always. Where you <laughs> did you have to be 18? Oh, really? When I was uh, frequenting that that store, my local branch, uh-huh. it was the center. I mean, that oh, was wow. like the, the as if it was the centerpiece of the table right. was this, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, cups with the boobs and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, some calendars especially. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> my eyes would pop out of my head. <laughs> it was like the internet for some kids. Yes, I bet. It, it was. You know, I truly like, think that. I think you're so right. I think Spencer Gifts was. You had some comedy. Right. You had some funny jokes. You had pop culture. You had sex. It was really. It uh, was an Twitter early... too before yes. Twitter was Twitter. So. Exactly. We're on to something. Well, we I are. do need to apologize to the branch manager of Spencer Gifts <laughs> in Exton, Pennsylvania. Oh, no. As a youth, I was fascinated by the wave tanks that they had in there, these things that would rock back and forth, full of colorful liquid. Yes. Um, which I found out is some kind of gasoline or petroleum oh, product. <laughs> because I touched one. Honest to God, that's all I did to it. I touched Uh it with my finger, and it leapt off of the shelf (laughs) and crashed onto the floor, spilling whatever this gook was all over, all over into the carpet. And I I didn't know what to do, so I just walked away. That's often that's what the captain of the Exxon Valdez did, right? You just just look the other way, just walk away. That's right. So it was me. I'm sorry, whoever had to clean that. I'm sure they're listening. But oh gosh, well. What uh, what kind of uh, illustration, if you were, it doesn't sound like you need to be free of the commercial side of this thing, mm-hmm. but if you were doing uh, uh, art, artistic work, that kind of thing, for yourself, mm-hmm. or what what might it be? What form might it take? Well, I do I do, do some, like, personal art and stuff. Um, not as much as I should, but I do. Um, well, this is, I, I would probably paint my cat. I actually did, when my cat passed away, <laughs> yeah. I thought it might be fair therapeutic so i did a painting of my cat that was my most recent work um which i can which i can show you when we when we uh call this quits but um a few years ago i did a show in a gallery in philadelphia um actually it's funny that was my first when i first started doing the managerial work at work um i started doing original drawing and illustration because i needed i felt the need to get some creative juice out there and Mm -hmm. i did um i guess a series of kind of psychedelic pop art that's always uh kind of my my thing i would do um illustrations of pen and ink and then scan them into the computer and make them all kinds of crazy colors and add in kind of found objects and photographs and make kind of large-scale pop art and i had and i did uh, about like 14 of those paintings until i felt confident enough that i had enough to kind of put a real show together mm-hmm. and i uh my friend uh lewis had a, a space in in philly uh so he uh, we got together and I did a show and, and his, it was like kind of, he had this cool um, kind of accessory and clothing store that also was an art gallery space. Yeah. So I did a show there and it was pretty successful because I did it on the computer. I was able to print the work out large scale and frame it, but also do smaller, you know, postcard size, size stuff. And also like eight by 10. So people could purchase the yeah. art. You know, you know of course that's me. Units. That's, yeah. yeah, that's me. I'm always like artsy fartsy, but how are we going to make a dollar and how are we going to get people to take these home with them? How do I get my art in people's houses and in their lives? So, um, so that went pretty well. And I was like, man, I'm going to, that's it. I'm a visual artist. I'm going to keep going with this. And then I started doing Twitter and I draw once in a while, but that show a couple of years ago was my last big push for my own personal art. And but you feel uh, embraced whether uh, art for the visual work as well, but mm-hmm. the, with the comedy scene here locally, do you feel embraced by that? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, every I just I don't want to come off like I'm so I sound so spoiled, but I guess I am. Everyone's so nice to me. Like <laughs> well, I, I hope that continues. <laughs> um. Everyone in Philly has been great. I mean, I started doing... So, after doing Twitter for um, probably almost a year, um, I became friendly with a lot of stand-up comedians uh, who were very encouraging, telling me, you know, 
take these jokes, um, especially the ones that kind of come from your life, and weave them into a narrative and get on stage and tell them what yeah. what are you waiting for? And like a lot of, and I found like when it comes to stand up. To me, the jokes that do best on Twitter do best on stage because if they go viral on Twitter, people are retweeting them because they connect to them. It, it speaks to them. And when you say those same jokes to people in their face, it speaks to them too. So anyway, I started doing – what was I even talking about? I started doing stand-up, um, just going to – kind of taking some of my best tweets that, like I said, were from my life that were more than just one-liners, but really they're, they, I could build on them and make bits around them. Um, and kind of weave them together and start going out and doing open mics. And I have found people in Philly to be really warm and cool, hot and cool, not hot and cold, <laughs> but warm and cool, and really welcoming. A uh, lot of there's a great comedy scene in Philly. Yeah, there's helium. There's helium like. comedy, which is where a lot of the big names go. But there's also every single night of the week you can find comedy in Philly. Yeah, there's open mics and shows just at bars and restaurants and people are there's just a real great scene so i made a lot of friends real life friends from doing stand-up in philly um people have been kind enough to put me on some of their shows and um yeah i'm actually going to be i'll is it time to plug something or no? oh yeah, if, by all means <laughs> i'm going i have starting a new project with my friend uh sydney gant um, who's an awesome, hilarious Philadelphia comedian who's one of the first people I met when I started doing comedy and took me under his wing a little bit. And we are going to be co-hosting a comedy game show. Oh, it's going to be once a month at a place called Philomoca, which I don't know if you've been there. It's an awesome theater space in Philadelphia called Philomoca. I highly recommend. They have all kinds of awesome, like very cool avant-garde events there. And you can have, you could do your podcast live there someday in oh, Philly. No. That would be terrific. Um, it's a great space for that kind of thing. Um, and we are going to host a comedy game show there once a month. And our first one is February 25th. Okay. So everyone February in 25th. Philly go there or come down it's called sidekicks yes it's called sidekicks it's gonna be really fun there's gonna be great prizes a lot of funny pop culture questions it's like a quiz show it's like a quiz show Uh um there's audience participation and it's sydney and i are hosting and it's gonna be really funny there's gonna be comedians are gonna be contestants so there's gonna be three comedians um not yet booked but we're gonna find great people they're gonna do you know five to six minutes of stand-up so the audience can kind of get to know them and get to know their sense of humor before the game actually starts that's good yeah and then um yeah, it's going to be kind of pop culture, trivia, but with lots of audience participation, lots of fun stuff. And like I said, there's going to be some great prizes. And I think everyone should come out. It's going to be really fun. Um, I don't know if you want... I'm, I love uh, the show At Midnight. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not... And I also love Billy on the Street. I love comedy game shows. I think there's so much... You can write so many great jokes when you form them like a question. You can, you know, yeah. like when you think about joke writing in question form and to think about the kind of funny answers people can give, it opens up a whole new world. So I've had a blast writing with Sydney and some of the other guys we're doing the show with, writing jokes for the show and writing questions for the show. So I can't wait to see those jokes come to life and get to see, you know, everyone, how the comedians respond to them. We've written some really funny, silly things. So I think it's going to be a great show. Everyone should come. And it, hopefully this first one will go well. We're planning on doing it once a month. Probably a Philomoca, but I'll Instagram and tweet stuff about it so people yeah, can people find it. Will, people will figure it out because yeah. it sounds like a, a great time. By the way, I want to acknowledge that I'm pairing the podcast today with uh, some delightful ice water. Some of the best <laughs> ice water I've had because it's kind of early in the day and it's in a Philly fanatic. Cup. Oh, yeah, I gave that to you. Um, I, I appreciate assume you're a Philly. That. Are you a Phillies fan? Sure. I'm a fan <laughs> of this character especially because yeah. it's so baffling to me what's going on. And as a young person, you're often forced to engage with him because he shows up at various... The um, fanatic is the best mascot ever. Uh, you won't get an argument from me. He looks like a Muppet, but like... 
gi- just one of like a, like a giant silly muppet, and he like dances with rolls his belly around, and I don't know. With a He's kind great. of horn for a mouth. Yes. With a tongue, presumably, uh-huh. that shoots out like mm-hmm. a New Year's Eve uh, noisemaker kind yes. of thing or a, a birthday party. But he just loves Philly, uh, well, baseball especially. Mm-hmm. But he's a big supporter of all the things here, and I'm happy to have that Great. glass. So. Well, that glass is made by one of our competitors, but we weren't doing sports licensing <laughs> at the time that I bought it, so I feel like it's okay. <laughs> I, like, I, I care too much. Well, uh, Randy, is your podcast still going? Randy Pants? It's a, I'm going to say it's on a hiatus. Okay. How about the season one of the Randy Pants show? <laughs> That's what is happens. available on iTunes. Um, I might bring it back. It, it really. It was a really fun thing to do. I, I would call it artsy-fartsy fun. It was just a combination of interviews and sketches yeah. and whatever me and my co-host Nick McNevich um, and my husband Mike Lawson who is our producer whatever we were feeling um, we went on a streak doing it for a while um, last spring because we all had a lot of free time it, it was like one of those like the stars aligned and all three of us had free time to work on it but it's just one of those things that as fun as it was it's not a big priority for any of us and everyone's lives are going in quasi different well my husband's and I's lives are not going in different directions <laughs> let's not get that twisted but you know like my my co-host uh, Nick McNevich who uh, decided to is no longer on Twitter or maybe he'll come back but right now he's not he's not doing Twitter right now though he was hilarious on Twitter but he's very focused on Instagram he's an amazing photographer check out Nick McNevich on Instagram but he is concentrating on photography and but look at his pictures he's awesome and I mean there's no hard feelings at all but he's yeah. concentrating on that my husband uh is doing a lot with his with music and other things, and I have the things I'm. So it just hasn't come together. But I don't want to say it won't because we could always do it again. Yeah. So it's a great season thing one about available it. on iTunes. Season two <laughs> maybe coming at some point, but it holds up. Yeah. <laughs> the Randy Pants Show. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, thank you. And uh, just because I know you listen to a lot of uh, podcasts, what do you think makes a great one? Oh wow. A dashing host, no doubt. Yes, definitely. Ah! So I so I listen to podcasts a lot. I have the kind of job where. Um, when I get in a certain work mode, I like to have a podcast on. I find it a little bit easier to work with someone talking in my ear than music. I yeah. don't know. Um, so I listen to podcasts almost all day. And I think one of the things, so many things, well, humor for me. Yeah. I mean, there's podcasts like I'm assuming Siri. they're yes. comedy podcasts yes. I listen, that you're I mean, listening to. I do listen to like This American Life and Radiolab and... Um, serial so much editing and, on Radiolab. Right. And I think those it's a shows... dense listen. Yes. And those shows are brilliant in their way. Uh, for me, comedy is really the thing. Um, I don't know. There's something about personality, I guess. You know, Absolutely. Like, Dale, like when you do, you have a, a, a really strong and funny personality. And to listen to your show, there's something, you know, you can't... It's like I've, it's lightning in a bottle. I can't put my finger on it. But when someone has a certain flair for comedy and personality whether they're talking about their day or talking about science or whatever it is it's totally intriguing um i also find that you know this is something that i feel like my show was lacking in a certain way and i don't know if it was because maybe it just wasn't the direction my show could go in but when people are really honest not that i was lying but you know there's a time when there are certain podcasts where people really let it all hang out their love lives, their personal lives, their work lives, they talk trash, they really (laughs) go there. Yes. Personally, I find that super entertaining, but that's not for me. Mm -hmm. That's not the the product that I feel represents me and I want to put out there, but I love when people do it, and I give them mad props for doing it, and I enjoy that too. Yeah. So that's, yeah. 
That's I'm great saying, too. Well, it's this real. I really consider it as a long form T shirt. Yes. Oh my God. Can I, I love that. Can I quote you on that? The Absolutely. podcasting is a long form t-shirt. Absolutely. Oh wow. I really love that. That's brilliant. Put it on a t-shirt. Well, uh, that's great. You've got the show coming up. I know immediately your parents are coming over for yes. us. So I feel <laughs> a rush to get, to get you to the sandwich, but, um, uh, do you have any other appearances? You've got the sidekicks thing. Sidekicks is the, um, only like thing I have literally on my schedule, okay, but, but people can buy your products around the world. Yes. And um, they can find you on Twitter mm-hmm. at, at Randy Lawson, R A N D I. There it is. L A W S O N. It's an I. Lady spell it with an I. So R A N D I L A W S O N. Randy Lawson on Twitter. Randy Lawson on Instagram. Please follow me on Instagram. I don't know how to get followers there. You yeah, can't regram, a, really. It's, it's, I mean, you can't. Not, so it's. Needs a third party application to be able to do that. Yeah. So um, follow <laughs> it's, me there. It's baffling. Um, you won't see cat pictures for a while, unfortunately. That for a while, I was like, follow me on Instagram for awesome cat pictures. But. Now uh, you'll just probably get a lot of selfies and Philly pictures. Um, yeah, and on uh, definitely on Twitter or Instagram, if I have a show coming up, you, I'll put you it out there. Accessory Q, if you find it. That's great. Well, I just, uh, I think, and really do, do all those things. Follow you because it's great. It's so funny. Oh, thank the you. jokes are fantastic. And um, uh, it'll be intriguing to find out what happens with you next if it ever uh, if, if it becomes writing in a different format or that but i know that you're very comfortable with everything comfortable. <laughs> so i wish you all the best with all of that thank you for having me over and for making this work uh rather oh, quickly i really enjoyed talking about myself for over an hour no well, thank you this was great um was your show is is terrific and funny and i'm going to say everyone listen to it but if you're listening to this you probably already listened to it but well, if you if you are someone who tuned in one of the making an assumption if you are someone who tuned into this podcast because you're a fan of mine please listen to others of uh dale's podcast because it's so hilarious and great and i'm a big fan so thank you for having me on okay i'm blushing we're just a couple of talents sitting here (laughs) and i appreciate it i love talking about art and comedies this has been and talking to you so it's been a real treat so thank you well likewise okay that's enough thank (laughs) you randy uh it's just fun to shout people's names in close proximity, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that'll do it for us. Remember that we're about to pack up the entire Dale Radio Enterprise uh, and board a cargo plane headed for San Francisco for our return appearance at the San Francisco Sketchfest. We'll be doing a double bill on January 27th at 8 p.m. with Killing My Labs, Lobster. Uh, and on uh, my part of the evening, I'll be talking burgers, sexual feelings, and comedy. Some great things I love oh, about yeah. San Francisco. And my guest will be Big Chef Tom Pazika, Susie Q, Kelly Anakin, and Cliff Hengst. Plus, a surprise guest from my past, and this is just added, breaking, hashtag breaking news, (laughs) DJ Bob Ross. So get ready for some happy little beats, folks. (laughs) I can't wait. Get those tickets now. Till next time, I'll be filling my empty whiskey bottles with black cherry wishnick and stuffing my trousers with tasty cakes for a weekend binge of sadness. I eat to feel alive. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is produced and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season 7 podcast theme composed and performed by Emily Danger. Season 7 podcast icon done by illustrator Louis Chin. Logo treatment by Daniel Spencer. Posters for Season 7 are by Annie Carbo and Claire Prouse, among others. You can listen to Dale Radio on DaleRadio.com or iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or on SoundCloud. And if you do visit us on any of those platforms, be sure and rate and review us, won't you? Yeah, you can follow Dale on Twitter. Hey, that's me, at Dale Radio. Or you can visit us on Instagram, Facebook, 
wherever fine podcasters are found. Thank you for listening. You're the best.